0: Support for this podcast comes from Aluba. Aluba is a leader in data science and analytics skills assessment, offering comprehensive testing and candidate benchmarking with seamless integration into your hiring process. Aluba helps you assess the skills of data professionals in a fast and unbiased way, allowing you to uncover hidden gems which are often overlooked during manual CV screening. With Aluba, you can save the time and cost of filling data and analytics vacancies by providing an advanced online skills assessment and instantaneous feedback to all of your candidates. Find out more about Aluba at aluba.com slash recruiting future and book a demo today. That's aluba.com slash recruiting future. And Aluba is spelled A-L-O-O-B-A. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 402 of the Recruiting Future podcast. So that was the year that was 2021. As we move into 2022, the seismic changes of the last 12 months have certainly given us a lot to reflect on. The great resignation, the AI revolution in talent acquisition, the redefinition of the workplace, the continued depth of focus on DNI. the list is as long as it is significant. It's impossible to make predictions, but I think it's fair to say that 2022 is potentially even more significant as employers find new ways of dealing with the considerable talent challenges they face. So what should we expect, and how do we process everything that's happened in the last 12 months? I'm delighted to welcome Lars Schmidt back to the podcast as my last guest of 2021. Lars runs Amplify Talent, a boutique agency, hr leader development platform and community that sits at the centre of the redefinition of HR. Lars is a passionate curator and facilitator of insights from some of the world's most innovative CHROs, and is the perfect person to help us reflect and prepare for 2022. Hi Lars and welcome back to the podcast. Matt's going good to be back with you an absolute pleasure to have you on the show as ever. For those people listening who who may not have heard of you, and I'm sure it's only a very few people, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do?
1: Yeah. So I'm Lars uh, Schmidt. I'm the founder of a company called Amplify and the uh, author and host of, author and podcast host, I should say, of Redefining HR. I'm a dad. I live outside of Washington, DC on the East coast of the US. And, um, Yeah, I mean, I'm working in this space for over 20 years, a mix of corporate uh, leadership and entrepreneurial roles. You know, my business now is primarily focused in uh, HR executive search, an accelerator platform to kind of connect and develop and support the next generation of chief people officers, and then a media arm, which includes um, the Redefining HR book, the Redefining HR podcast, and uh, a column that I write for in Fast Company that explores kind of the evolution of the world of
0: work. Absolutely. And this is exactly why I wanted to have you on this episode. So, this is the last episode of Recruiting Future for 2021. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to give us a bit of a review of everything that's happened in the last 12 months and a bit of a look forward to what we might expect in 2022. Not that anyone's able to make any kind of uh, accurate predictions at the moment. Now, Interestingly I checked back to see when you were last on the podcast and it was March 2020 so it was just when covid-19 was really starting to kick off it was I think it was about 4 days before the UK lockdown and uh we were sort of talking about resources and what to expect and all that sort of thing. So fast forward to now, December twenty twenty-one, lots of things have, have obviously happened. Give us your perspective on the last twelve months. I mean, how how do you sort of reflect on everything that we've seen in the in the HR and talent space?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been uh I feel like it's it's beyond cliche to be Uh, Talking about it's been an interesting year. Uh, This is, um, you know, when you look at how the last year has evolved, you know, obviously 2020, when we last connected, was the very early days of the pandemic. You know, 2020 was full of just uncertainty, fear, anxiety, um, you know, wondering how this will evolve. You know, I think going into 2021 and this year, it's it's really been a lot of times I call it the year of whiplash because I think you know earlier in the year as uh, the vaccines rolled out and um, you know access began to increase I think there were a lot of feelings earlier in the year that you know this summer uh, you know it was a summer we'd be opening up and uh, we'd be traveling we'd be doing more things I think a lot of companies designed their return to workplace plans originally for September. And again, we're talking about the you know, subset of employees who were able to work from home and that's not all employees. So we'll, uh, you know, let's call that. But, you know, then Delta uh, came and spread and vaccine hesitancy um, spread and kind of anti-science <laughs> sentiment spread. And, uh, you know, those, uh, those rosy plans we had got uh, got derailed. And, um, you know, we actually, as we closed the year, we're having a bit of a history repeating itself as you know a new variant has emerged with Omicron and there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of the um, you know the the deadliness the, the virality and the ability to spread. So the data is still out on that we don't yet know. But I think companies you're already starting to see another wave of companies who had pushed back their return to workplace plans for September they moved them back originally to January and now they're beginning to push those back to later into 2022. And so I think this constant state of flux and volatility and ambiguity, it, ambiguity is the backdrop under which we are trying to work in HR and and people operations. And I think it makes our roles, uh, which were already difficult, uh, increasingly
0: more so. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that lots of people who are listening will have had, well, everyone who's listening will have had a very tough year in one way one way or another. And it's really sort of important to acknowledge that. I think the other thing that it's important to acknowledge is that there are a, a huge amount of positives I think that we can take from this in terms of the acceleration of change, the the modernization of the way that the companies work. And I know that that's something that you are really kind of invested in sort of finding out about and, and spreading knowledge about. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the question to you would be, when the pandemic first started, we were seeing a lot of change which was which was done on a kind of an emergency short term basis obviously it's very clear that this uncertainty is going to continue into the future and i know that some companies are pushing back return as you said are pushing back to return to the office till the end of 22 or even 2023 which means that people would have been out of the office for for two maybe even three years and that's a that's a habit that's not a short term yeah. that's not a short term thing so what are the changes that we've seen that you think are going to be for the long term
1: yeah, I mean, look, I, I think let me just cut, touch on your first point to begin. I think that the, for the field of HR and, and people operations, however you want to frame it, the duality of this moment is profound. And what I mean by that is, on the one side, you know, HR has played a essential role in guiding our businesses and our employees through not just the pandemic, but everything else that's come from the you know increased kind of conversations we're having around social justice. And racial equity to uh, hybrid and remote work structures, to the pandemic, to safety protocols associated with return to workplace. So, all of those things have centered the field of HR. And the market, the job market for the field of HR has never been hotter. And this extends to recruiting as well. Um, So, the demand for competent uh, and progressive practitioners in this space is is never been what it is now. And so, you know, you have that on the positive side. On the on the, you know, the duality is on the other side of that, you know, the levels of burnout and fatigue and exhaustion are are also through the roof. I think, you know, when you look at the role of HR specifically, you know, in all of these things I just mentioned, we're helping our leadership teams navigate this, we're helping our employees navigate this, we're helping our teams navigate this, and we're also going through this as an individual. And the cumulative weight of all of that, you know, has really just you know bringing record levels of stress and burnout to the field as well. So that's kind of the backdrop. I think to your point, I'm incredibly excited about this opportunity for HR. We we have a, as you mentioned, we're going to be going into year three of these new kind of constructs of work, and we actually have a, a genuine opportunity to redefine the nature of work itself. You know, that's a generational opportunity for the field. And I think when you look at the pandemic specifically as impact, it's been a massive accelerant into all of these things, you know, that yes, there were fully distributed companies prior to the pandemic, but they were, you know, very much a, a small subset of companies. There are many more now, you know, yes, there are people who used to spend some time in an office and spend some time at home, but the notion of hybrid work wasn't even a category and now it's this massive aspect of how many organizations have you know committed their work plans moving forward and how many employees are saying, you know what, I'll never go back into an office five days a week. And if they feel that way, they're going to have lots of opportunities for great companies and great jobs uh, that will support that. And so, you know, that change in that shift that we've experienced in the last two years, which will be going on three now, uh, is huge. And We'll probably talk about this later in the episode, but I think one of the biggest kind of going forward shifts in that is, you know, what we've been experiencing is what I call kind of hybrid 1.0. And hybrid 1.0 is basically all these companies that used to be co-located, they're porting those systems and communication cadences and everything to digital. But the underlying operating system for the business is still based on being in an office, right? Everything is still done via meetings. Uh, you know, all of the coordination and collaboration is still defaulted to synchronous. And I think what we're going to start to see now in 2022 is companies are going to be playing the longer game for this. They're, they're you know, the volatility of, you know, can we open, can we not open? Is it safe? Is it not safe? More companies are making longer term commitments to remote and distributed and hybrid work. And that's going to require them to engineer underlying operating systems to support that. And so I think we're going to get much more intentional about moving in meaningful ways from synchronous communication and collaboration to asynchronous communication and collaboration. And to me, you know, that's kind of the early stages of hybrid 2.0, which we'll start to see more of in 2022.
0: Absolutely. And yes, let's come back to that a little bit later, because I think that's a really, really interesting point. Something that it's probably going to dominate a lot of the conversation over the next uh, few months. Before we do that, though, I just wanted to recognise the fact that you work with lots of very innovative and forward-thinking CHROs, and the sort of mission of your business is to is to help the the next generation coming through. Talking about sort of HR in the in the longer term and how it's redefining itself and how it's evolving, what are the most Innovative HR functions that you're talking to doing at the moment. What's really catching your eye in terms of innovative thinking or innovative strategy?
1: Yeah, you know what I really like about this moment, and in particular how innovative leaders are approaching this, is they are really um, you know kind of reorienting their approaches from top down to bottom up. And what I mean by that is that they they really are heavily focused on kind of employee experience and co-creating with employees. So I think historically, you know, HR oftentimes would kind of design these policies and systems and just roll them out. Here's how we're going to work. Here's how we're going to do benefits. Here's how we're going to do this policy. Here's how we're going to approach X, Y, or Z. Now, I think, especially in these progressive companies, they're doing a really uh, good job of engaging their employees uh, and determining kind of, well, what is it that you do need? How do you want to work? And also realizing that um, that answer is not going to be uniform. Some employees are going to want X, some employees are going to want Y. And so companies that I think are doing a really great job are creating, you know, again, moving away from those formulaic playbooks of the past to create more tailored, flexible programs and constructs that employees can opt into how best works for them. And hybrid is an example of that. Uh, but it's happening in other areas as well. And so, you know, I, I love companies and, you know, specifically to companies and leaders, you know, two um, leaders and teams who I really admire would be Katerina Berg at Spotify um, and Katie Burke at HubSpot. I, I think they're both absolutely kind of leading from the front in this change and really focusing on employee experience, but also, and, you know, you know me, I'm a huge advocate for open source practices, um, they're sharing their journey along the way. And so it's making it easier for other people leaders who might want to, you know, emulate some of their practices to be able to do so. And, you know, again, I think that shift from legacy kind of black box siloed thinking in HR to more open source and kind of building in public, that's a huge, um, with the pandemic, that's a huge accelerant into moving into this new world of people operations and this new world of work because there are so many leaders who are kind of building a public that you can you can learn from you can you can emulate you can take examples of what they're doing and bring that into your organization and so that helps good ideas spread and take root more quickly
0: so talent acquisition has massively under the the microscope at the moment with everything that's going on. How does talent acquisition fit into all of this and what are the changes that, that you're seeing that you're most interested in? Buying?
1: Yeah, I mean look, talent I mean we're 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 having this conversation in the in the backdrop of the year that many call the great resignation, the great realignment, the great reshuffle. Uh you know there's there's endless uh buzzwords to talk about the turnover that companies are facing, but but the turnover is real and I think it's part of why you see Some statistics recently showing that there are more recruiter job openings than software engineer. And so the demand for recruiting is massive. And I think it requires us to really, you know, part of what we have to realize is that in this new world of work where many employees are either fully distributed or hybrid, the traditional friction associated with changing jobs is removed. Right, so in 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 the olden days, right, the pre-pandemic days, where we typically went on site to interview, maybe multiple times, um, you know, we we had to potentially relocate for jobs, we had to do all those things. Those are things that we don't have to do in many of us in this environment now. And so, from a recruiting perspective, we have to really be thinking beyond recruiting. It's recruiting and retention. You know, it, it's not just finding great people. It's creating a compelling value prop. It's helping them understand perhaps the ambiguity that your organization faces as it relates to return to workplace or other plans. It's really making sure that you are investing equal effort and time in both the pre-boarding stage, you know, the period of time between when somebody's accepted an offer to when they start and onboarding. Since a lot of that is happening virtually these days, you know, the hires that we're getting are not as, you know, sticky As they may have been, if they've come and they've met you in person and you've gotten coffee with them or shared a meal, uh, you know, we're doing everything via Zoom in many cases right now. And so um, if somebody comes in and, and they're sold a job that isn't meeting the reality of being in that job you better believe it's going to be incredibly easy for them to just go and change. And so I think it's really important for us in recruiting to be able to adapt with that. We've got to be very open and transparent about our opportunities. We've got to do as much as we can up front to help candidates be able to see themselves in an honest and accurate way in that role so that they can self-select in or out based on how that aligns with you know with their interests. So yeah, and I don't think that's going to change next year. I think you know this might be this year of the great... Realignment, or whatever we want to call it, but you know that is this is not just a 2021 event. This is going to carry into 2022, uh, and it's just going to continue to put the pressure on recruiting teams to be able to you know attract talent into their organization, you know recruit talent, and and you know do that in an environment where there's so much more mobility and fluidity of talent. Um, but people also have a lot of options, um, and so yours will be one of likely. You know, many they'll have the opportunity to consider.
0: A quick message from our sponsor Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W O N O L O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term, and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process, and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com. Slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. So, one of the key enablers and drivers of all of this that we've touched on, but we haven't really mentioned in in detail yet, is technology and the, the speed at which technology is developing are there any particular tech trends that you're following closely? If we have this conversation in eighteen month, another 18 months' time, will we be sitting in the metaverse having it? What's on your radar in terms of technology?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think that we get excited about tech before it's really here. I mean, we did the same thing with AI a couple of years ago where, you know, all the vendors were saying, uh, you know, our tool is based on AI and it, it wasn't, but just hearing AI would kind of pique our interest. Like, Ooh, what's this? And I think as we move into this new environment, there's, there's certainly a hype bubble at the moment around, you know, the metaverse and even web three and everything that comes with that from, you know, DAOs to crypto to, uh, you know, NFTs and, and community. I mean, there's so many layers to that. I don't, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm writing my annual what's next for HR piece for Fast Company right now. And, you know, I did mention the metaverse and web three as things that will be down the road coming and we kind of have to have our eye on them. Um, I think crypto of that kind of web three category, crypto and the metaverse will probably be things, well, crypto is already real for some companies. Um, Some companies are paying employees in crypto or or giving bonuses in crypto. Um, I think we will see as you know, hardware barriers to access with virtual reality continue to shrink, you will see more use cases for the metaverse broadly. Uh, and you're already starting to see that where companies, especially fully remote companies, um, they're using virtual platforms for onboarding. They're using it for um, to creating kind of lounges where employees can go and play games and, and just hang out with each other in the metaverse because they can't do that in person. So I think those things are here now and they're real, but they they are, are very um, isolated in terms of their use. I think what we'll start to see more of sooner will be tools to support you know asynchronous coordination and and communication. So whether it's you know Loom or Miro, we'll see more of those platforms. Um, I think we'll also see more of an emphasis on kind of learning platforms as well, because again, in the backdrop of of this great realignment. Our ability to um, engage and upskill and reskill and develop our teams will be a huge determining factor on our ability to retain them. And so I think we'll see more of an emphasis. And that's, you know, again, that's not new technology. I think that will just be an increased emphasis on that technology that exists given the climate that we're in.
0: Absolutely. And I've, I'm thinking about it. I've had virtual reality and blockchain in my final slide of my technology presentation in terms of what happens next for about four or five years now. So so it's interesting interesting to see it finally shape up, but I I agree with you. I think that there are other perhaps more pressing things that most companies need to, to sort of look at and consider first. One of the things that I'm being reminded of while I'm talking to you is just how much is going on at the moment, and how much has happened in the the last eighteen months. Out of everything that you've seen and heard about and experienced, what's the the one thing that surprised you the most?
1: Ooh, that is a that is a really hard question because there's been uh, there's been so much surprising. You know, I, I think honestly, to me, it's probably the resiliency of our field. And, and I'll elaborate on that. I mean, I often call the field of, uh, of HR people ops, um, the department of plus one, right? Because when you look at all of these events that have happened for the last 18 months, and even prior to that, you know, so many things just get added to our plate. Okay. Oh, oh, give HR that. Oh, oh, you know, uh, our people ops can, team can handle that. And often it doesn't come with the, you know, the requisite uh, resources or or budget or tools to be able to do that successfully. Yeah, we figure it out. And again, you know, there are some instances where we don't, and this is a universal statement. But I think when you're talking about the kind of best-in-class teams, the resiliency to be able to, you know, in the face of all of this adversity, all of these changes, all of these things that are that are, you know, based on humanity shaping events, right? These are these are once-in-a-generation events that we're experiencing. To be able to go through all of that and still successfully, you know, navigate our companies and our teams through that that the level of resiliency that that requires is just it's something I think we don't talk about enough and it's not about you know oh we have to tutor our own horn and you know oh we, we know people aren't out there clamoring for credit it's kind of the silent work that's happening but it's happening everywhere and and to me I think you know you asked me what surprised me I don't know that I guess I probably do find that a little bit surprising but just the level of of scale of what these practitioners have been through yet continue to deliver and perform despite great, you know, personal difficulties, uh, and hardships with that. To me, I think that's something that, uh, that I really kind of look back and, and with a lot of just pride in our field, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, huge kudos to everyone who's out there, who's out there doing the work in such a, such a crazy and difficult, you know, during such crazy, difficult times, so, wanted to talk a little bit about what might happen in 2022. Obviously, I don't think either of us is going to make predictions based <laughs> based on based on the level of uncertainty at the moment. But I'm interested to perhaps dive a little bit deeper into your interview, your views around hybrid, because you know, as you sort of alluded to earlier, with companies pushing back that that return to the office or, or abandoning it. <laughs> <laughs> All together. How do you think hybrid is going to be developed? Because it's been an interesting debate this year to see it go from a theoretical debate to a practical debate to everyone saying it's the future, everyone saying it's doomed and you have to be one thing or the other. What, what do you think? How do you think it's going to play out?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I I think when you look at the three constructs of work, right? You know, co-located, everybody's in one located one location, fully distributed. You know, there are zero offices and everybody's hundred percent remote. Or hybrid. Hybrid is by far the most difficult. And even within hybrid, there's so many different flavors of hybrid. It could be, you know, what days you go in an office. It could be where you work. It could be when you work. Uh, It could be the choice to opt into multiple set structures. It could be having no set structures, and the employees just figure it out, or the managers figure it out. So there's so much the variance even within hybrid itself is so massive. And so I think because this has never really been a working model under the scale from which it is today, and it will be, you know, in 2022, a lot of companies are are kind of trying to figure this out. And so again, I think one of the shifts we'll see in 2022 is the shift again from what I frame as kind of hybrid 1.0. You know, basically just doing all of your office-based things virtually or digitally, to Hybrid 2.0, which is actually intentionally engineering more asynchronous coordination and communication. And again, adopting more of the fully distributed model working practices from you know, documentation and things like that. I think we'll start to see more companies be much more intentional about designing that into their hybrid constructs. I think we're also going to see a lot of companies that are going to think that one way will work and try that and find out it's not going to work. And then try to do something else and I think this year, you know, in parallel with that shift towards async, we're also going to see a lot of companies, you know, kind of experiment where they they view hybrid as an experiment and they'll see how it works and they'll make some changes and you know some things will go well and some things won't and some might try to revert back to co-located when that's safe to do so. Um, others may just give up on having offices and move fully distributed. So I think some companies that are entering 22 with hybrid in mind uh, will not be departing 22 in a hybrid model. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot still to be figured out. And because it's such a new model at this scale, you know, we don't really have these Concrete kind of proven practices of okay, well, X is definitely the best way to do you know meetings, and Y is definitely the best way to do culture building activities. Where we're we're figuring that out, and it also isn't a one size fits all approach. Where like some of those approaches will work on some companies based on you know their culture and locations and and leadership and others. Uh, You could port that same policy or the same program that works really well in that environment to another company, and it's going to fail miserably because they don't have those same things. And so, you know, in short, I see a lot of continued, you know, volatility for hybrid as companies try to get this right in the new year.
0: So final question, what are your hopes for 2022? What would you like to see happen over the next 12 months? What's your Christmas wish?
1: Christmas? uh, um. You know, I think uh, I'm I'm optimistic on on hybrid, but I'm more optimistic on employee choice and flexibility. I think companies that really prioritize flexibility and choice are going to be the ones that uh, come out on top as it relates to this you know this hyper competition that we see for talent right now. Um, those things will happen organically and naturally. I think what I would like to see two things I would like to see is one. Uh, again, us being really much more intentional about moving from synchronous to asynchronous. Uh, and there are times absolutely where synchronous is the way to go and you have to whether it's you know some meetings, some culture things, I, I think that that is a given. but I, I think companies that uh, really kind of master that balance, the right balance between sync and async are going to unlock so much time and potential for their businesses. Um, the other piece I'd like to see is in 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, I think we had a, a different we began having a different conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion in our workplaces and in our societies. And I think that we've lost a bit of that momentum in 2021, and I would really like to see that you know that continue to be a focal part, a focal component of how businesses and organizations and people leaders, think about their roles in building uh, work environments that work for everyone. And so I would say if I had two wishes, uh, those would be the two. I, you, you only gave me one. I took two. So I feel a little bit greedy, but uh, you know, I think both are really important for the
0: field. That's quite all right. It's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Lars. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. Good to chat with you as always. My thanks to Lars. Also, my thanks to all of my guests in 2021, my sponsors and everyone who's listened and supported the show. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next year and I hope you'll join me.